You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. My name is Matt Warren. I'm the editor-in-chief at buffalorumblings.com. The Buffalo Bills lost a game 24-12 to to the New England Patriots this past weekend, and it wasn't even really that close. Uh, Buffalo scored a garbage time touchdown uh, at the end of the fourth quarter <clears throat> to even make it a 12-point game. Uh, most people are pointing to the lack of a run defense as the biggest reason that the Bills lost to the Patriots, but but really, uh, rookie quarterback Josh Allen was only able to put up six points against Bill Belichick's defense, and that's pretty much par for the course for rookie quarterbacks against Bill Belichick. They just typically have not done a very good job against him, especially in Foxborough, so um, it, it's at least understandable. Um, before we get into the questions, I wanted to remind you about how you could reach us. We are on Twitter at rumblings Q and a with the word and spelled out right in the middle of that. You can also give us a phone call or text us on our uh, voice line. 716-508-0405. And, and that's the way that I prefer that you contact us because then we can use the audio on the show and I don't have to just read sentences off Twitter. You can also send us an email at buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. That's our new email address that we started just a couple weeks ago uh, here at SB Nation. And, uh, you know, leave us... Leave us a message, send us a text, ask your questions. That's why we're here. Um, we're here to to see how we can help you out as a Bills fan. Now that all that stuff is out of the way, let's take a look back at the stats. The Bills gave up 273 rushing yards to the New England Patriots. <clears throat> Obviously not going to win a whole lot of games when that's happening. It's, um, it's becoming a pattern with Sean McDermott defenses to give up a ton of rushing yards. They did it uh, last year against the New Orleans Saints and New York Jets in back-to-back weeks in the middle of their three-game losing streak right in the middle of the year. Um, And it's troubling. Uh, They were able to contain Tom Brady, and they still couldn't beat the New England Patriots. So that was, of course, disheartening. We actually have an analysis dropping this week at buffalorumblings.com about Star Latule and whether or not it was his fault that the Patriots were able to run all over the place. Uh, spoiler alert, they ran away from Star Lutulele. So uh, that's maybe answers one of your questions about what was going on with the run defense. Th- this defense really missed Matt Milano last week against the Patriots for sure. Um, all in all, the Bills outpassed Tom Brady and the Patriots by 100 yards, 217 to 117, and that was largely because of that garbage time drive we already referred to in the opener here. 
Um, you know, and it, there's some concerning things on the Bills, uh, most notably the two interceptions by Josh Allen. Um, whatever the heck happened to LaShawn McCoy, I don't really know. We'll answer that question coming up here in a second. And then Zay Jones, who was absent until that final drive, he ended up with five receptions, 67 yards, and a touchdown, but only had one reception before that final drive. So what the heck's going on there? There were drops. There was, you know, swapping out offensive linemen. It was just um, – well, it just seemed like a lot of those games against the Patriots where you go in with some sort of hope and then it completely goes away. So um, eh, that's enough of my rant. Let's go on to the questions. All right, now it's time for the question I'm getting a lot. And this week's question I'm getting a lot is, do you think the Bills should prioritize offensive line or the wide receiver position in the 2019 NFL draft? And I really do think it's going to come down to where they end up picking. Uh, they can pick somewhere in the neighborhood of 5 to 12 or something like that, uh, heading into week 17, which is a pretty wide margin. But um, let's just take a look at Dan Cater's most recent mock draft uh, for SB Nation. Uh, who's our parent company. Uh, they had Jonah Williams, the offensive tackle from Alabama, going fourth overall, and uh, Quinn and Williams, oh, excuse me, um, Greg Little going sixth overall to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the offensive tackle out of Ole Miss. And so if both of those offensive tackles are off the board, I for sure would go with DK Metcalf uh, from Ole Miss, who Dan Cater actually mocked to the Bills in the most recent one, and we did a write-up about it on Wednesday at buffalorumblings.com. But Metcalf would give the Bills that top-line wide receiver that could really elevate um, and the entire wide receiver core, let Zay Jones get open underneath, uh, let Robert Foster do what he does with his speed on the outside, and just let Metcalf just be a beast um, at 6'4 and 230 pounds with that number one pass-catching ability. If for some reason those two offensive tackles fall to the Bills, I think a lot of it's going to depend on the free agent class that they're able to kind of cobble together. There aren't really any great wide receiver options in the free agent class. So I'd almost rather they pay some guys for the offensive line in free agency and worry about wide receiver in the draft, but we'll see. Um, I, I think, you know, all of those guys are on the board when the bills pick, I'd probably prefer the wide receiver knowing that, um, you know, they're just so rare. There's only, I don't know. I think Tim Graham did an article about it on uh, the Athletic Buffalo recently, but there's only about, I don't know, 10, 12, 13 number one receivers, quote unquote, you know, top level wide receivers in the NFL. And if you think that DK Metcalf can be that guy or any of those other wide receivers for the record can be that guy, I think you need to prioritize that over offensive linemen who you can find in a couple other spots. So I would prioritize wide receiver over offensive tackle, all things being equal. And uh, like I said in this week's SB Nation mock draft, it kind of the decision was kind of made for them with uh, both of those top two offensive tackles um, on the board, and that are off the board. And that's the question that I'm getting a lot this week. Hi, my name is Tavar Nicholson, and I'm just, uh, I got a question, um, that I would like to ask. Uh, I just want to know if, um, 
if you think that LeSean McCoy, uh, do you guys think that LeSean McCoy will be our starting running back next year? I just, uh, I just feel that he doesn't have what he had when he first came to the table. You know, uh, I do think it's maybe a little bit to have to do with our offensive line, but I just think he doesn't have, I just think he doesn't have it anymore. And I think he should be traded. I don't know, you know, uh, just call him and see if you can give me some feedback on that. All right. Uh, Thanks for the call. And LaShawn McCoy was also a hot topic this week. He very easily could have been the question of the week. Um, he's averaging 37.5 yards per game. <laughs> Obviously, that's not very good. Um, but I don't necessarily think that it's the offensive line. He's only averaging 3.2 yards per attempt. But Chris Ivory's at 3.4, and Marcus Murphy's at 4.8, and even Keith Ford is at 3.8. So the offensive line is opening some holes, um, and I think they've gotten better as the season has gone on. I think McCoy looks a little bit apprehensive. Um, I think he doesn't think he has it anymore. Um, and I think that frustration is starting to come out. He was uh, benched for the first play of the game against the Patriots for – um, a disciplinary reason. Uh, Sean McDermott wouldn't share what that reason was at his press conference on Wednesday or after the game. And McCoy didn't talk about it either, except for that. He said that McDermott put him in his place, which I think is interesting as a captain of a team, not being on the field for the first play because of disciplinary reasons. Uh, if you add those disciplinary reasons with, some of the things that he's been accused of by the media in the locker room after the game of yelling at guys or, or being upset with the media. I just, you can feel frustration starting to bubble up from LaShawn McCoy. And uh, maybe in this last game of the season, you might not even feel the frustration if he just kind of mails it in. So I don't know if he's necessarily a guy you want to count on going into 2019. The Bills save several million dollars by cutting or trading him this offseason. I don't think there is a trade market for him. So suggesting that the Bills should trade him is great, but I just I don't see another team picking up whatever it is. I think it's $4.5 million of salary for a 31-year-old LaShawn McCoy. The time to trade him was probably this year at the trade deadline, and I'm pretty sure I said that in an article or in the comments at buffalorumblings.com or something like that. But it's it's not a situation that's going to move forward in a super positive way. I know that Brandon Bean, the general manager has said McCoy is in their plans for 2019, but I do not think that that's going to be the case. And I think he's going to be given his walking papers at some point this off season, especially when you take into consideration what's going on in his legal troubles that surfaced last off season. He's just got a lot of stuff going on around him. And frankly, he's not worth the hassle right now at this point in his career. He's not good enough to justify putting up with some of that stuff, whether it's in the locker room, whether it's being late for meetings or whatever happened that made him get benched for the first play of the game. I mean, he was even out touched by Kevin or by Keith Ford. So the Bills obviously looking towards the future and really trying to figure out if McCoy is worth it. I don't think he is. I don't think he's going to be on the team next year. And I think uh, they might end up drafting a guy in the middle of the rounds or even signing another undrafted free agent. Thanks again for the question.
Our next question comes via text from the 610 area code, which is West Philadelphia. Uh, I was not born and raised there, uh, but I did spend many of my days on the playground. Um, the The texter didn't leave his or her name, uh, but did ask, wanted to ask a question about Josh Allen and the quarterback position throughout the offseason and preseason. Uh, the text asks, uh, why didn't the Buffalo Bills have a plan to groom Josh Allen? Why did they wait until mid-year to get a veteran quarterback to be in his ear and support him? Why did they allow it to compete with subpar quarterbacks such as Nathan Peterman and A.J. McCarron? This demonstrates management and vision of how to build a team and groom a quarterback. I'm concerned about our decision-making process. That text came into our text line at 716-508-0405. It's the same number you can call to leave a voicemail. And I agree with this particular text. When the Bills traded A.J. McCarron uh, and put Nathan Peterman at the starting job, they had David Culley, who had been a quarterback's coach for a year in the NFL, and Nathan Peterman, who had been in the NFL for a year. And I didn't understand at the time why they would trade A.J. McCarron when there was just no quarterback guru or veteran quarterback in the room at all. It was two essentially really young players and a really inexperienced quarterbacks coach. And I know Brian Dables coached quarterbacks and all that stuff, but it really seemed problematic to me at the time. And I think that that's, I mean, that's borne out in, in how they made their decision-making process going down, down the road. They eventually signed Derek Anderson to kind of be that mentor in the room and then eventually Matt Barkley comes in as well. And now they've re-signed Matt Barkley to kind of be that for the next two years, that veteran presence in the locker room, whether or not we see Anderson re-up is, uh, is another story, but it, it's definitely problematic. And it was problematic probably even before AJ McCarron was traded. Now, if they thought McCarron was going to be a cancer in the locker room, by all means get rid of him, but bring in somebody else then. Was Derek Anderson not available then when they traded A.J. McCarron? Um, or did they just wait for Nathan Peterman to completely implode upon himself before they brought in Anderson? And I think it's more reactionary, the second one, the waiting for Nathan Peterman to you know, crap the bed before they, they brought in Anderson. And that kind of reactionary thinking is, is, of course, troublesome. They look like they have a planet quarterback now. Allen, of course, is the unquestioned number one. Barkley as that backup, and they probably will add another quarterback this offseason just to get another guy in the room. Um, well, they'll definitely add a quarterback this offseason, but I was talking more along the lines of somebody that might actually make the roster going into next September. So you'll see them add at least one more arm, uh, if not two, for the offseason. And I, I think that there is a, a good chance that we might see three quarterbacks going into next year. Derek Anderson has said he's not necessarily ready to retire yet, even though that's pretty much what he had done for the first four or five weeks of the season this year. But he said to, in an interview with reporters that he wasn't necessarily going to call it quits. He's clear concussion protocol. So maybe he comes back this off season or, um, or six round all the way into next season. Uh, I think he'd be a great guy to have around for Josh Allen. But we'll see what ends up happening at the quarterback position behind 
well, he'll, he won't be a rookie anymore going into next year. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Hi, first time caller. First name Bob. Will the Bills ever get a special team coach that makes sense? Thank you for thank you for listening. I'll be waiting for your for your answer. Hey Bob, thanks for calling in. And uh I really appreciate the question. Yeah, we've talked about Danny Crossman a little bit uh, on this podcast and the fact that he's made it from Doug Marone through Rex Ryan all the way to Sean McDermott. It's kind of remarkable, um, especially when you take into account how bad the Bills special teams have been this year. They released Colton Schmidt uh, to sign Corey Bajorquez. Uh, Bajorquez gets hurt or is ineffective or whatever you want to say, and they bring in Schmidt again who then they cut for Matt Dar and Dar has been terrible since taking over. Uh, there've been missed extra points because of the whole punter thing. There've been bad punts, um, bad field position. And you saw it again against the new England Patriots when they were able to return a punt deep into Bill's territories. It was a line drive in short. They even had one blocked. Um, it just, it has been bad. They haven't been doing great with returns. Um, it's cost the Bills points over and over and over again this year uh, with Danny Crossman's unit. But I would imagine they're going to do it offseason and bring in another guy. Crossman obviously has a really long pedigree in this league of being a special teams coordinator. I wouldn't say a good special teams coordinator, but being a special teams coordinator in the NFL nonetheless. So they'll have to look elsewhere to, to add a special teams coordinator this offseason. They'll probably be setting up a Corey versus Corey punting battle. Like we talked about in, I think it was our first episode or our second episode, uh, Corey Bajorquez coming off of IR um, with his shoulder against Corey Carter coming off of IR with his ACL tear from last preseason. Uh, Carter was a guy, definitely a name to watch last preseason. If he hadn't got hurt, maybe he would have unseated Colton Schmidt as the punter. But you got to think they want to give him another look heading into the offseason. So how many punters are they really going to keep around? Is it going to be Carter and Bajorquez and Dar or Ann Schmidt or and somebody else? Uh, you would you got to believe that they would only have two people uh, in the offseason. So I'm assuming it's going to be Bajorquez and Carter going toe-to-toe, so to speak, in the punting battle. But, of course, that will be under a new special teams coordinator anyway because there's no way Crossman can stick around with how bad the Bills special teams have been uh, this year. Thanks again for the call.
Our question of the day from Twitter at rumblings Q and a with the word and spelled out comes from Ian Carmody at Irish Hunter 16 on Twitter is Sean McDermott really an NFL caliber coach. I know he was going up against Bill Belichick this week, but he looked like a deer in the headlights in the Buffalo rumblings uh, Slack channel where the editorial staff talks. We've been trying to figure this out for most of the season and I think most of us are in agreement that for six days a week, from Monday until Saturday, Sean McDermott is an excellent NFL head coach. We think he does everything that he's supposed to do as far as dealing with players, uh, scheming, all that stuff. But uh, on Sundays, he has some issues. He has some tendency to, oh, what's the right way to say this, uh, get too conservative at times, not be able to adjust at other times. Um, the, the fourth down stuff is well documented. He went for a, t- a couple times on fourth down in the last few weeks where we were actually surprised. But I mean, just look at his numbers on, on throwing those replay challenges. I think he only has one in his two years of, of coaching where he's actually been able to overturn a call successfully um, in like nine or 10 where he's been denied. He's just, it's tough to say that he's a great game day coach. We like what he does from Monday through Saturday, getting his team ready, getting his team prepared by all accounts that they're working super hard. They, you know, are practicing well. And I think he does have a tendency to put guys in the right position if everything kind of goes according to plan, but, but being able to change midstream, I don't know if he's able to do that. And when he spends an entire weekend planning for Tom Brady and they're able to shut down Tom Brady, but the Patriots run for 273 yards on you, you have to adjust at some point. And I mean, maybe, maybe they were just limited by their personnel. I don't really know, but those abilities to make in-game adjustments have not been his strong suit in his almost now two years as Bill's head coach. Thanks for the question on Twitter uh, at rumblings Q and a with the word and spelled out in the middle of it. We answer one question off Twitter each week. Before we go any further, I wanted to mention one programming note on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast channel. We added a new podcast last week before the Christmas break uh, called Blitzed Bills. Uh, There are a national podcast called Blitzed NFL, and they share a cocktail every episode and discuss what kind of what's going on around the NFL for our bills based podcast with them. They're going to tackle the bills each week uh, for about 20, 25 minutes. Uh, Last week, they, um, they were able to have a a pretty nice conversation about the bills against the lions, but they're off this week because they normally record on Tuesdays. And of course we had Christmas on Tuesday. So I want to wish all of you guys uh, a Merry Christmas. Uh, wish those guys a Merry Christmas. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and you'll get uh, the Blitz Bills podcast. You'll get Rumblings Q&A and you'll also get the Swing the Wagons podcast, uh, which put out their Christmas Spectacular on Sunday morning with their uh, Christmas wish wish list for this Bills offseason. Um, and uh, they also have a Christmas movie draft, I think, which I was trying to figure out what like my big board would look like. I'm firmly of the belief that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. It would probably not be my number one pick, though. I'm sorry. Uh, but stuff is on there. 
uh, for sure. Uh, Christmas Vacation, National Lampoon is definitely on there. Um, Die Hard's on my list. Uh, there's there's a few other movies that would be on my my Christmas list, um, but I've never seen It's a Wonderful Life. So make sure you tweet at me all your hate that I haven't seen It's a Wonderful Life ever, and I probably never will. No offense to anybody out there that really likes that movie. It's just I've never really been interested in seeing it. So sorry. Yeah, this is Jim Odessi, Erie, PA. Uh, my question is about Brandon Riley, a wide receiver who was on the Bills practice squad. Um, I was wondering why he's never gotten a chance, if he's still in the system. He had a great preseason last year, and he might have been called up for a game or two, but I don't think he's really had a chance. If you could let me know about that, I'd appreciate it. Thanks. Hi, Jim. Thanks for your call. Uh, Brandon Riley is a name that keeps getting thrown about um, among Bills fans. He actually was signed to the Detroit Lions practice squad about a week ago on December 18th. So he is sort of on a team right now. Uh, at least he's on a practice squad. Buffalo, of course, or any other team could sign him to their the active 53-man roster at any point. But uh, let's just go back through his 2018 preseason. Brandon Riley had four catches. Uh for an average of 27 yards a catch uh, in the Bills preseason this year. If the Bills don't think that he is capable of beating out the guys that are on the roster now, or better yet, if they don't feel like he's a piece that could be with them in 2019 or 2020, then I don't see any reason for them to keep him around. And obviously the Bills didn't either. Their roster, they kept Cam Phillips on the practice squad, they, I mean, they kept other guys on the squad before Brandon Riley. And then when guys were getting injured or getting released, they didn't bring back Riley. So that pretty much tells me all you need to know about him. He's not going to be back in Buffalo and maybe he'll catch on with the Lions and stick with them through 2019 offseason and beyond. Who knows? But I don't think he's ever coming back to Buffalo. Thanks for your question. We've got one more text line question at 716-508-0405. This one is from the 315 area code in eastern New York State, um, central New York State. Uh, Who do you think the top free agent is that Buffalo will go after? in the 2019 offseason. Until proven otherwise, the Bills and ex-Carolina Panthers get along like peanut butter and jelly, like, I don't know, two things that get along really well, bees and honey. Um, I don't know, Western New York and snow. They're, they keep going after those ex-Carolina Panthers over and over and over again. And this year it's Devin Funches, who's going to be the free agent coming from Carolina. He's a wide receiver. He's a big wide receiver. He's an established wide receiver. And maybe Buffalo wants to add him to their wide receiver core and see if he can do for Josh Allen and see if he can do that for Josh Allen, what he did for Cam Newton. So I think that's the 
most likely top free agent target for the Bills. There's going to be a couple on the offensive line too, but Funches just kind of fits so easily into all of those things that the Bills look for. So uh, he would be my pick at this point in time. Thanks again for the text question at 716-508-0405. That's going to do it for this episode of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. Just a reminder, you can always call and leave your message 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, Christmas Day, New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, I don't care. Uh, It'll go right to our voicemail at 716-508-0405. You can also send text messages to that number, but I really do prefer the audio so that I can play it on air and answer it. You can uh, tweet us at rumblingsq&a on Twitter with the word and spelled out in that rumblings Q&A handle. You can send emails to buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. Um, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Rich Warren, and of course, go to the website buffalorumblings.com to get all of your Buffalo Bills fandom needs. Uh, each week during the Bills games, we do a bingo board to see if we can't get the announcers or something that happens in the game to go bingo. We are breaking down Josh Allen. We're breaking down the offense as a whole. Um, there's an analysis piece, like I said earlier in the podcast, about Star Latulale and the Bills' run defense and what happened against the Patriots. There's just a lot of stuff on there uh, to kind of make Bills fans happy and learn more about their team. We are not judgy at Buffalo Rumblings. You can be a negative Bills fan. You can be a positive Bills fan as long as you make good points. Um you're definitely welcome at buffalorumblings.com. Tune to our off-season tracker where we're going to be going through all of the Bills' potential veteran cuts, their free agents to see if we might want to re-sign some guys. Spoiler alert, we want you back, Kyle Williams and Lorenzo Alexander. Uh, We're going to go through potential free free agent targets around the NFL, and then, of course, spend a whole heck of a lot of time talking about the 2019 NFL draft. And then once that all wraps up, we'll talk about how the team is constituted in May and June before we hit training camp in July. Just because the Bills season is ending this Sunday against the Miami Dolphins doesn't mean that our season is going to stop. We're going to keep rolling once a week on Wednesdays here at Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. Thanks again for listening. Make sure to subscribe, like, read, um, rate us, leave a review, all that good stuff. Um, all the things that we can uh, do to, to help other people hear us. And just ask one person to download our podcast if you like it. It really helps us uh, broaden our reach. Thanks again. Bye. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot 
because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts.